0: You are listening to the Marilyn Manson Cases podcast, the podcast discussing the accusations, lawsuits, and legal news surrounding shock rocker Marilyn Manson. Please note topics include allegations of abuse. Some may find disturbing. Hey everyone, this is Lisa from TheMansonCases.com and welcome to the seventh episode of the Marilyn Manson Cases podcast. Today, I will be discussing some recent updates in the past few weeks related to the lawsuits, but primarily this episode will focus more on Marilyn Manson's lawsuit against Evan Rachel Wood and Ashley Elmagore. Specifically, the big anti-slab court date coming up on April 11th. Both Evan and Ilma are claiming some of their actions are constitutionally protected under the First Amendment. Here is attorney and YouTuber Steve of Southern Law explaining what the anti slap is for those who need a quick refresher. Take a listen.
1: These special motions to strike are extremely powerful defenses to a lawsuit. When the motion is filed, typically speaking, discovery is frozen. So that means no depositions, no requesting documents, nothing like that. The case is basically on ice until the motion is decided. Essentially, if the lawsuit invokes claims involving expression or speech or freedom of speech, and those claims can include things such as defamation, then they are subject to an anti-slap motion or a motion to strike. When the defendant makes the motion to strike, the lawsuit again is essentially frozen, and the court hears whether the allegations involve the defendant's expression or other conduct, which could fall under the anti slap statute. If the plaintiff's claims do touch on such protected activity, then to fight against the motion to strike, the plaintiff must show a probability of success So the plaintiff has to demonstrate to the court that yes, this involves freedom of speech. However, it was defamation, and I'm gonna show you why I am likely to win, why I have a probability of success. On its face, this heightened burden for the plaintiff to proceed with his claims seems extraordinary when you consider the relatively minimal roadblocks that a plaintiff faces on a typical motion to dismiss or even motion for summary judgment. What's even more extraordinary is the plaintiff must overcome this burden without the benefit, usually, of discovery. So they have to show the court the probability of success based on the information they already have and not information they may later gain from defendants through the course of discovery or depositions.
0: Before I move on to the updates, I do want to provide a quick tally on how many lawsuits have been filed against Marilyn Manson, and where they are today. Especially if this is your first time tuning into this podcast or you just need a quick refresher. So it's likely I'll do this sort of quick tally more often because it is not heavily covered or discussed in the media. Out of the five lawsuits filed against Marilyn Manson stemming from the February 1st, 2021 social media allegations, three lawsuits have been dismissed. Those three include Ashley Walters, who is a former employee twice fired by Manson. Her lawsuit was dismissed with prejudice, meaning she cannot file a lawsuit again with the same claims. And while her lawsuit was dropped because of the statute of limitations, the judge also stated she had, quote, too few facts. Currently, her lawsuit is in appeal. Second, Esme Bianco, an alleged former girlfriend and actress most notably known for her role as Roz in the Game of Thrones franchise. She filed a lawsuit in federal court claiming she was human trafficked by Manson and much more. She settled her lawsuit in late January, 2023, so not too long ago. Not much is known about the settlement, except it was not a surprise. Considering a leaked zip file with her own evidence, painting a very different version of events than what is mentioned in her own lawsuit. And last is Ashley Morgan Smithline, who also filed a federal lawsuit claiming she was human trafficked, among other allegations. The lawsuit was dismissed without prejudice, meaning she could file a lawsuit again at any point. However, in recent weeks, she recanted her allegations against Marilyn Manson. And the media talking points so far include that she was harassed to change her story. Even though Smithline has stated herself that she is being harassed more now now for coming forward and changing her story. Those are the three lawsuits that are currently dismissed. So what about the last two lawsuits? Well. Jane Doe is the pseudonym being used for a lawsuit filed against Marilyn Manson in the state of California. Her allegations include abuse, sexual assault, and even being forced to watch Manson's short art horror film called Groupie, which is a film you will hear a lot more about moving forward as it relates to Manson's lawsuit. Currently, a trial date is set for sometime in the fall of 2023, but it is my personal speculation this will likely not make it to trial, either because it will be settled or something else occurs. And side note, this is also one of the women that claims in their lawsuit to be living with Manson during a time two other women claim to have lived with him in their own lawsuits. So that's interesting, if only some media outlet compared the time frame in these lawsuits or their own words to find such discrepancies. And last, the latest lawsuit is from Bianca Kine, also known as Bianca Elaine. She is not only suing Marilyn Manson, but also the record companies and one to 20 people unknown to her. She came forward in February, 2021, and did an interview in The Sun, yes, a tabloid, as well as a podcast where you can actually listen to her allegations. The problem is her past allegations in The Sun and the podcast episode don't match her allegations made in her own lawsuit, For example, she claims in her lawsuit she was sexually assaulted by Marilyn Manson when she was underage at 16 years old. But in her media interviews, specifically the podcast, she claimed nothing sexual occurred until she was 19 years old. And in fact, the sexual assault story, she applied to a purported underage friend that is no longer alive to corroborate her allegations. So this is just one example of major changes made to her own story when comparing it with the lawsuit. As of right now, there is no trial set for this as it is bouncing back and forth between state and federal court, and it's way too early for something like that to occur. In fact, I haven't seen an update for almost a month since getting pushed back to state court, which is a bit unusual for a new lawsuit where I would expect a lot more movements right now in terms of seeing more legal filings post. In terms of updates, the one lawsuit primarily with new legal filings is Marilyn Manson's lawsuit against Evan Rachel Wood and Ashley Ilmagore. Since the last podcast episode, there have been three new case management statements filed in court. So first, what is a case management statement? It basically tells the court the progress of a case so the court can determine when the case will be ready for a trial. This is typically filed by all sides 15 days before a case management conference. The conference is currently scheduled for April 11th, the same day as the annie slab court date. A trial date is not set yet in this case until after the annie slabs are settled to include any related appeals. What is great about reading the case management statements is sometimes you can find some golden nuggets. In this case, we learn Evan Rachel Wood is going to seek an independent medical examination, which was not mentioned in legal filings before. I speculate this medical exam relates to her claims in the media of having PTSD, suicide attempts when she was 22 years old, and other mental health issues such as agoraphobia, which is an extreme or irrational fear of entering open or crowded places, leaving one's own home, or of being in places where escape is difficult. Yet, she's going on a national tour as a singer in her band called Evan and Zane, she was acting in Westworld for years, she is attending award shows, she's on daytime TV shows, and now she is filming a new movie or two very soon. Even so, Evan has claimed in the media her mental health issues stems from her past alleged abusive relationship with Marilyn Manson, which is why I speculate any medical exam likely relates to her mental health claims. This is important, because this medical exam likely opens the door for Manson's legal team to seek their own medical expert to conduct a medical exam on Evan herself. So this is possibly something we can expect to see play out during a trial, even if we never see future legal filings detailing this. Another update in this lawsuit relates to a declaration submitted several weeks ago by Evan Rachel Wood's legal team. In my last podcast update, I did not get a chance to fully detail this declaration due to some technical difficulties at the time, but know that there was a declaration submitted by someone named Carl Nielsen from New Zealand. This was submitted to the court to challenge the inclusion of Ashley Morgan Smithline's declaration for the anti-slab arguments. In Carl's declaration, he claims he had two voicemails from Ashley Morgan Smith line dated back to June 2022, where it is claimed these voicemails were purportedly from Ashley, specifically detailing Manson's attorney reaching out to her. If this is true, then it is a huge issue since there are rules about this in terms of professional conduct, one being that an attorney cannot directly contact or communicate with another attorney's client especially considering Ashley had an active federal lawsuit against Marilyn Manson during this time. But what is interesting in this case is that both Ashley and Manson's attorney, Howard King, dispute this phone call and these voicemails. Considering the timeframe of June 2022 is also two months after Ashley alleges in past legal filings of having already fired her attorney. My point is, something odd is going on here, but I can't quite figure it out at this time. In any event, Carl Nielsen then lodges a USB drive to the court with these two voicemails. The problem is since then, Law and Crime Network and someone apparently from Germany requested access to these voicemails. However, the judge denied both requests as the USB was never submitted to the court, which I find extremely strange considering there are legal filings on record stating they were lodged to the court. Now, I am not an expert, but after talking with Steve of Southern Law, he surmises this could be due to how the judge ruled if it was denied based on the time frame. Meaning, the judge denied it was too late to include the declaration for the anti slap arguments. Therefore, perhaps, there was no need to submit the USB to the court at all. But because the judge did not provide her reasoning for this denial, we just don't know, so anything at this point is pure speculation. Which brings me to the upcoming anti slap court date on April 11th. Now there already was one court date related to this back in February, and the upcoming court date is a continuation of the ongoing anti slap arguments. So it is possible we might actually see some rulings this time or shortly thereafter. But what is primarily at stake? I would say the one big item up in the air right now is the fake and forged FBI letter, and this is because of a ruling back in September 2022 where the judge gave some indications of not ruling in Manson's favor related to the letter. Back then, Manson's legal team was trying to depose Evan Rachel Wood and others to sit for depositions for limited discovery. In short, the judge appeared to side with Evan's arguments, where Evan claims the letter was submitted in child custody proceedings, therefore it is protected activity by the law. Manson's attorney largely argued that a fake and forged FBI letter cannot be legally protected because the letter itself is illegal. Keep in mind, this is just a short version of these long-winded arguments, and I'm just pulling some information as it relates to this letter specifically. Either way, it is a real possibility the FBI letter might be excluded from Manson's lawsuit, but in saying that, I fully expect this would likely go to appeal. In addition to the FBI letter, Evan is seeking to essentially gut the defamation per se part of Manson's lawsuit, and even three sentences from the intentional infliction of emotional distress claims in the lawsuit. But even if, say, defamation was fully removed, this still leaves three causes of action against her and Ilma Gore. Because while Evan is seeking to remove some of the intentional infliction of emotional distress claims, it would not entirely remove it from the lawsuit. And this also leaves two California state crimes Manson is suing Evan and Ilma for The first one being the violation of the Comprehensive Computer Data and Access Fraud Act. And last impersonation over the internet. These two claims in Manson's lawsuit surprisingly get very little media attention as most like to hyper-focus on the defamation claims because, of course, they want to focus on the more relatable claims and compare it to the Depp v. Heard defamation trial of silencing a quote victim. Yet, there are serious allegations of criminal activity seen in this lawsuit, which makes me wonder if Manson also filed a police report along with these allegations in the reason these items were not disputed as part of the anti-slap is simply because these claims are not related to protected free speech activity. So even if Evan and Ilma both got their way in the upcoming anti-slaps, even after an appeal, they are both not off the hook. And the lawsuit would continue. I do want to remind everyone there is also another issue being heard on April 11th, Which relates to a request from Manson's legal team to unseal some portions of Ilma Gore's October 2022 deposition. Now, there is a transcript of this deposition which was revealed, I believe, by Ilma Gore's attorney a few months ago in legal filings. However, my understanding from speaking to Steve and Andrea Burkhart, there are likely portions sealed to the public, which is why we are seeing this request now. In this case, this was also continued to April 11th. I am hoping we will learn soon if more of this transcript will come to light because I am curious what more we can learn from this deposition. As a reminder, the deposition related to Ilma Gore's state of mind, her intent and determining actual malice as it related to Manson's unreleased short art horror film called Groupie. Considering Ilma has never met Manson or has seen this film, there are a lot of questions pertaining to why she was telling people the actress was underage and that the actress was dead. As a side note, Colonel Kurtz, a YouTuber, has a video coming out interviewing this actress from this unreleased film. Her name is Pola Weiss, and she was a former girlfriend of Manson's who acted in this unreleased film from the 90s. In fact, Pola has done several interviews on Colonel Kurtz's channel, so I highly recommend checking out her YouTube. This next video relates to Pola's conversations with the detectives investigating Marilyn Manson, especially as it relates to groupie because it appears detectives were told, seemingly by the accusers, that Polo was underage when it was filmed and that she was dead. So news flash, she is well, she is alive, and she was in her early twenties when this film was recorded. Last, I would add there is a risk of losing the recruitment aspects made in this lawsuit, because as the judge previously indicated in an order from September 2022, the judge considered these women reached out to were not considered to be, quote, so extreme as to exceed all bounds of that usually tolerated in a civilized community, meaning it does not rise to the elements needed to make a defamation claim. And to summarize some of these potential losses, We have the potential loss of the fake and forged FBI letter, which could mean a loss of FBI impersonation claims as well as the recruitment aspect alleged in Manson's lawsuit, which would likely remove the entire defamation per se claim in Manson's suit, and potentially two or three sentences in Manson's intentional infliction of emotional distress claim. But again, leaving two California state crimes in his suit against Evan and Ilma. So despite what I have seen mentioned on social media, where there are certain people who have claimed if Evan and Ilma win this, well, they are out of the woods. But that's just not true. And let's not forget, California does allow appeals for anti slap decisions which is likely to occur. I don't know the statistics of winning these types of appeals. However, a quick Google search showed there have been similar lawsuits winning anti-slap appeals in California for defamation. So I will just cross my fingers and toes and hope for the best. But these types of up and downs will continue to happen in this lawsuit. I mean, the same thing happened to Debbie Heard. It just happens. And look how that turned out.